Now, now I'm the prettiest girl at the school. That's our intro Bef- right there. <laughs> <laughs> no context. We're just doing it. Now I'm the prettiest girl at the school. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, that'll be a funny one. <laughs> Is anybody going to actually tell me what we're talking about today? We're going to talk about the Ethiopian eunuch and Isaiah. Oh, okay. Which is Acts 26. It's going to be good. Acts 8. That was way off. 26. There was a 26. There was 26. I don't even think there is 26 chapters in Acts, is there? There is. Is there? How Mm -hmm. many chapters are there? At least 26. I I haven't read that far. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. Don't spoil it. I don't know what's going to happen even though I'm teaching on it. <laughs> ah, stupid brain. But we need the moisture. All right. Goodman, you missed the whole lecture he gave me on. That's stupid. What? Yeah, that people say that when there's snow or rain. And like in Colorado, we're in a dry climate and we've oh. been in a drought. And he's like, that's what Airboys does, the excuse the, 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 the bad weather, the crappy weather. And he said it in that voice. <laughs> Listen, that's just how his voice sounds. It's just. I said it in a much more offensive voice than that. You wasted good content. I like how all of your prep yeah. goes into what kind of bit can we use and that what kind of theology can we teach. That's about it. That's it's about more it. important. Yep, that's about it. That's right. That's that's the hook. Right. It's like the. Uh... I, don't, I don't. I don't have anything for that. <laughs> all right. No, we're gonna go uh, Isaiah fifty-three, and uh, I don't know. We'll just wing it. This is going to be good, though. Trust me. It's going to be solid. So we're, we're doing it? Not yet. Let me look up one thing. Give me All right, one, minute. one minute. Ready, set. Hello, Internet. How are you? I am Pastor Goodman. Uh, joining me this day is uh, Pastor Eli Leitzau and Erica Jacoby of Higher Things. He is frantically looking things up because he said he needed a minute. But we're starting right now anyway because I love you. Because we're tired of clowning around. We're tired of his clowning around. It's not around. something we encourage here. Especially not the editor. No. It's too mm-hmm. serious. How you doing today, man? Mm-hmm. What's up? How am I doing? Yeah. I'm doing great, man. No, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be good. We're uh, <laughs> we're talking about uh, Christ in the Old Testament, except we're not going to be anywhere in the Old Testament. Well, we are a little bit. Wait a minute. I feel like that's cheating. That's false yeah. advertising. Yeah. I, I know. It really is. I probably should, yeah. Guys, but, I found you know, Jesus in the nativity half narrative. Of our listeners. It's really hard work. The eight people who listen to this don't really care. So it's okay. They're, they're going to let this slide. That sounds like Lutherans. Are they? Well, that's all right. Yeah, right? I mean, we could, well, I don't know. Lutherans can either get, uh, get, get all tied up in knots about nothing or, uh, well, I guess that's the way that we do that, right? Mm-hmm. About the little things, we, uh, we throw giant hissy fits like we're two-year-olds. But about the uh, things that matter, we're just like, meh. 
That sounds eh. about right. That sounds about right. We'll just, mm-hmm. we'll just let that one slide Down by. Down the listener. Keep nah. it going. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Close communion. Nah, not a big deal. <laughs> oh, now he went there. Um, now we give his, his personal email and phone number out right here <laughs> so they can talk to him directly. <laughs> Sorry, that's the first time that I've ever done anything like that. Every other episode, uh, Goodman is uh, spouting Poking off against stuff all, all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poking the bear. Mm-hmm. I do it once and I get I get shamed for it. Mm-hmm. Fine. All right. Hey, that's my bit. You don't see me trying to be bald on the podcast. So, uh, do you want to get started then? It's what? <laughs> yeah, I want to get started. Okay, let's do it. So let's let's find Christ in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Where should we look? In the in the New Testament, right? Well, we're going to be in Acts chapter uh, eight today. Acts chapter eight, verse twenty-six. I think, um, and and if I may uh, ask you to to read this, Goodman, I think this is short enough for us to kind of read it all the way through, and then that way we'll have uh, a good context to to what we're talking about. Would you mind? Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began, and with this scripture he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Wait, you forgot that Philip found himself uh, in Azotus, right? I couldn't pronounce it, so I just wanted to stop. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, just a quick aside as well, uh, something that I noticed. Uh, Candace, we always want to uh, pronounce it Candace, but if you look at the, uh, the, the little uh, readings lectionary thing that you can get from CPH, Mm-hmm. Uh, they phonetically put that can to see. Oops. Hmm. I wouldn't have known. And uh, I always pronounce it Candace because it's so uh, easily said Candace, and then everybody would wonder why you're being so pretentious and pronouncing it in a different way when it's so easily Candace, right? Thanks. No, I, I'm saying you did oh, a okay. good job. <laughs> I'm not saying you're being pretentious. I'm saying if you actually would have pronounced it Candace, that would have been pretentious. So, so, so good job. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome, man. 
All right. So Christ did the Old Testament in the New Testament, right? So here we've got an Ethiopian eunuch. We're going to get into the Ethiopian stuff. We're going to get into the eunuch stuff, right? But uh, I think it's pretty simple to see the reason why we uh, can can use this text a little bit to speak about Christ in the Old Testament is because um, Philip actually uh, uses uh, this this scroll that the eunuch is reading, right? to describe or to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, obviously, the scroll is is coming from Old Testament stuff. It's actually coming from Isaiah chapter 53, because that's the only scripture that would have been around during this time, right? There was no New Testament. There was no Gospels. Uh, Paul hadn't been running around writing letters to uh, and epistles to different churches. So the only thing that there would have been is the Old Testament. And this guy's got a scroll of the Old Testament of Isaiah chapter 53, that beautiful suffering servant chapter. And we get to hear Philip explain from that very section right there, uh, starting there, about the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's that's how we're, we're going to start with this. So uh, we've got this Ethiopian eunuch uh, who's coming up from... Uh, well, obviously Ethiopia, right? And uh, Pastor Goodman, why why has he made this long trek uh, up to Jerusalem? What is, what's the text? Let us know. Sorry, I'm Googling eunuch jokes. <laughs> hey. Being very helpful. Hey. Being very hey. helpful. Did, did, did you hear why they're closing down the eunuchs club? Why are they closing it down? They they, they lost all their members. <laughs> Ouch. It's not, that's not bad. It's not bad. They're... Let's put it let's put it this way. Most boy puppy dogs become eunuchs. Can we explain it that way? Kids kids, we're leaving these jokes in. I just okay. Good. I just want to be clear. <laughs> wait, so wait a minute. There is a definition that exists that I think might apply. <laughs> Tilito. It's it's a you a unit could be simply an ineffectual person. Oh well, yeah, that applies. That's no problem. That one. A nation of political units, for example. Yeah. I can read the actual definition. Would that be helpful? So we so we stop dancing around this uncomfortable. No, because no, later it will be, but we're not there yet. Okay. Okay. Well, you let. I'm ready with my definition. What do you call a unit in a marching band? What? What do you call a eunuch in a marching band? You got nothing. A, a unicorn. Oh come on! That one's not even. That's not. No. Even. All right. So that one's pretty a, funny. A unicorn. <clears throat> I'm gonna name my next male dog eunuch. Eunuch. <laughs> eunuch. Eunuch. So uh, the the eunuch. Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, to answer you immediately, had uh, been to Jerusalem to worship. Right. Uh, this Okay, so it's interesting. So we've got this Ethiopian uh, who's obviously, he's coming up from Ethiopia, and he's going there for a specific reason. He's going there to worship. Uh, I think we can say he's going there to worship Yahweh, right? Which is, uh, it's it's beautiful in and of itself because the word of the Lord evidently had made its way down to Ethiopia, right? 
The word of the Lord yeah. had had made its way there into this Ethiopian uh, eunuch's ears, and he knows something, right? He knows that if he wants to go worship Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, where does he where does he have to go? To Jerusalem. Right. You have to go to Jerusalem. Right. You have to go to Jerusalem uh, because that is where the temple is. Right. And you've got all of these. Uh, it, it's 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 interesting that you've got this Gentile who uh, has just heard the word of the Lord. Uh, presumably, I don't know when he had when he got that scroll. If he picked it up in Jerusalem, or if he had it before he went to Jerusalem, but he's heard the word of the Lord and he's being called to Jerusalem to worship because that's where you go. You don't worship. You don't set up a shrine anywhere else. You don't set up a temple somewhere else, right? And and we have this these these problems uh, earlier on. Um, in the Old Testament, right, especially with the the Northern Kingdom of Israel, I think we've touched on this before, where mm-hmm. it was it was right after the split, the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom split into two. The Temple is obviously down in Jerusalem, down in Judah, uh, but the King in the uh, in the Northern Kingdom is saying, uh, no, 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 you don't have to go all the way down there to worship. We'll just set up uh, a place in Bethel where you can worship Yahweh, and it'll be good there. Just sacrifice. Uh, your your offerings there, everything will be fine. Don't worry about it, uh, and we'll have, we'll even set up a golden calf there, right? And you can worship this golden calf there, and and say that yeah, and say that it's Yahweh. We got you covered. So the the beautiful thing, just even right to begin with, uh, the fact that this this Ethiopian eunuch, this Gentile. Uh, has heard the word of the Lord and isn't trying to make excuses about, okay, I'm going to dictate the right and proper ways in which to worship. Um, He says, no, 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 no. Uh, If I must go to Jerusalem, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to head on up to Jerusalem. And so that's what he does. Which, again, I think that's beautiful, right? Because as you said, uh, Pastor Goodman, uh, this is where where Yahweh said, and this is the way in which Yahweh said, I must be worshipped. So yep. I don't know. It's it's probably good that we do that. We worship the way that Yahweh. Well, I mean, these are the places he's promised to be found. Uh, this was always kind of the issue is you can say, you know, Jesus is in the trees or, or, or the Lord is in the the, um, the Lord is in, in the beauty of nature or in the sunrise or or, or wherever I, I basically I want to be. Uh, and it's not that God can't work there. I mean, where would you go from his presence? But the thing is, God has always located his gifts for you so that you can have a degree of certainty when you receive them, and so that uh, they, they would be accessible without uh, sort of walling them off. Because whenever we sort of imagine God certain places, it's funny. Like, even even in, in the most idolatrous mm-hmm. moments, how uh, we, we still ascribe such value to our idols that the, the calf had to be made of gold. Like, it, it, it can't mm-hmm. be made for the poor people. Mm-hmm. It, it can't be made accessible. This needs to be of of the most precious. We need to somehow peel this off, or or even just in uh, nature, which which we still get today when people say, you know, I I, I understand that you have to go to church on Sunday, Pastor, because that's your job. But me, I experience God elsewhere, uh, and it's always a sort of a place where not only is there no promise, but worse, uh, it, it's a place that that is fragile. You know what I mean? Like you want to experience mm-hmm. God at the golf course yeah. or on the boat or or at the little league game, but but how how easy is it to have a bad day there? Or a big hail that like, or a big tornado that whips through. That now what happens? How are you sure that he's there then? What does this mean if he's well in the hail and the tornado? Which, I mean, I guess. So this is why God is 
actually insist that he, he be found in certain spots for certain reasons. It's not that he can't be these places. It's that he actually does want to see sinners forgiven. He actually does want to give a degree of comfort to troubled consciences. And so he says, here I am in this rite, in this ritual. I am attaching my promise to these things so that inside of them you would have comfort, hope, mercy, forgiveness, love. Right. Right. And I think that that's the perfect place to pick up because this is then why the Ethiopian goes up to Jerusalem. And we don't get a, uh, a full picture of what happens in Jerusalem. He goes there to worship. Um, and, I, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, I think we can make some assumptions based upon uh, the way in which he interacts with Philip. But uh, our story actually picks up with uh, him returning, right? Right. He's returning back. The, the spirit uh, had told uh, Philip to find this Ethiopian and go and speak with him. And he's speaking with him at the very moment that he's uh, reading uh, Isaiah 53. The guy doesn't know whether or not uh, Isaiah is talking about himself or about somebody else. And Philip begins with that very scripture to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's important, <clears throat> uh, without a doubt. Um, and we're going to get into that and it's going to all wrap up. But... I want to kind of uh, go off again with the the way in which Philip answers, sorry, the Ethiopian eunuch answers Philip here um, right after Philip explains the good news of Jesus Christ. And we get something interesting because uh, beginning with that scripture in verse 35, uh, he opened up his mouth, beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus Christ. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Just that first little clause there, right? Or, or that whole thing. See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? What does that, uh, Pastor Goodman, if you could help us out, what does that kind of, uh, allude to the fact that, uh, or what was Philip actually preaching? What what did he include in his opening up the scriptures? Well, and this is this is marvelous that uh, if, if you want to actually find Jesus in the Old Testament, first he's everywhere. But if you want to talk about Jesus, clearly uh, baptism was a major theme in this, where to find Jesus. You apparently can't talk mm-hmm. about Isaiah without talking about the second person of the Trinity, Jesus. And you can't talk about Jesus without talking about the place to find him today in the waters of baptism. And so to talk about baptism is to talk about Jesus. To talk about Jesus is to talk about the Old Testament. Testament. And so we have the, the same connection all the way through. God is, is working not simply to locate himself in a temple a long time ago, not simply to sort of say arbitrarily, your sins are forgiven if you think nice thoughts or, 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 or if you would place your faith in an object that you can't actually find, but that he simply says, Jesus is, is crucified and risen for you. And here is where you can receive him in this water. In this water, in this baptism. And I mean, obviously, that he Philip then explains this, right? Because the, the Ethiopian eunuch knows about uh, knows about baptism. Presumably, he would have known nothing about baptism until Philip had actually explained and opened up the scriptures to him. I, I would assume. I think that's a safe assumption to make. So, beginning with the the Old Testament, beginning with Isaiah, right there, Isaiah fifty three opens up the scriptures, tells him about the good news of Jesus Christ, and that includes uh, baptism. Right, which is a gospel in and of itself, but I think I think we can even dig a little bit more here um, with the actual way in which the Ethiopian eunuch um, responds to Philip here, or doesn't respond. Well, yeah, responds to Philip when they come upon this pool of water or the stream of water. 
because he says something, and at first glance, I think we just uh, completely just slide right over it, and we don't even think about it very much. Uh, but how does he actually uh, address Philip, right? He says, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Who talks like that? An Ethiopian eunuch. Like, You're welcome. The Ethiopian eunuch, right. But I mean, honestly, who... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who actually talks like that with with that sort of uh, with that sort of language? What prevents me from being baptized? Right? Like nobody knows what matters in life. <laughs> well, no, but it's it's almost sort of like when you know you're not welcome in a certain place, right? Like it, it, it's the people who are expecting to get kicked out of the bar. It, it's the people who are expecting to. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. Th- I think that's it, right? If I don't belong if, here. If that would have, yeah, if that would have never been a part of, of the Ethiopian eunuch's uh, thought process or understanding, I think the question would have been something much more along the lines of, um, hey, here's, ba- here's water. Uh, can I get baptized? Right. Right? Hey, here's water. Uh, come baptize me. Right? Mm-hmm. But he, he uses this language of what prevents me from being baptized, almost as if he's expecting something to prevent yeah. him from being baptized. Almost as if... Uh, he's uh, spent the his whole entire life being prevented from stuff for for certain reasons. He's barred from stuff. Maybe even as if he's gone up to Jerusalem to worship, and he's uh, come back a little dejected because he's being prevented from what took place there. And I think this is where I want to jump off here. Do you think he went to a church that wasn't friendly to him and welcoming? Was so it Lutheran? I, I mean. <laughs> Because yeah, that 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 hits real close to home. That yes. you you shouldn't maybe be a jerk to strangers in your church. That's the, while that is true. But what if they're a eunuch? But what if they're a eunuch? So we've we've got an individual who I I believe is used to being prevented from receiving certain things. This this is an Ethiopian eunuch who's gone all the way up to uh, Jerusalem. And let's first start with the Ethiopian part. Then we'll get into the eunuch part because I know we're half an hour into this. We still haven't described what a eunuch is. It is important for us to do that. Um, So he goes up to Jerusalem. He's an Ethiopian, which means that he's uh, presumably not a Jew. Uh, And I think it's safe to say that he would just be a Gentile then, right? Um, Pastor Goodman, when when a Gentile, especially uh, with the the new temple, the, the Herod's temple, right? This is the one that's got the... Uh, the outer courts. Um, for a Gentile, uh, how far can a Gentile get in when he's going up to the, the temple to I don't to think worship? they can get past the outer courts, can they? I don't think so, right? I think as far as they can go is into that Gentile court. It's that outer court. It's, it's, the, it's the court where presumably, and I think it's safe to say, that this is probably where Jesus was... Um, where Jesus did the overturning of the uh, the money changers and, and all of that sort of stuff too. It, it probably happened in the outer uh, Gentile court, right? You're not going to do that stuff in the inner courts where where the Israelites and the Jews can go. You're going to keep that relegated out to the the Gentile outside court. Um, but that's as far as he could get, right? This 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 Ethiopian couldn't get any further. There's there's something that's preventing him from actually going in uh, and presenting an animal. 
uh, for his cleanness, for his holiness, for his uh, forgiveness of sins, right? Because that's what you do when you go up to the temple. You bring offerings. You bring sin offerings and burnt offerings and grain offerings and thanksgiving offerings. And you do all these things so that you can have your sins forgiven and so that you can be made holy and righteous. This is the expectation uh, of this Ethiopian eunuch when he's going up to Jerusalem. And he can't do this, at least not fully. And I think the Gentile courts, you could certainly have individuals bring in sacrifices on your behalf on into the inner courts. Um, but even that was, there was something missing, right? There was something that was actually keeping you as a Gentile um, outside, right? There was those, those uh, VIP velvet ropes that you couldn't cross into. But you could, you could peer inside and see all the people who were better than you, who were intrinsically better than you. Um, that could actually go in there and do the sacrifices. But you couldn't. At best, you had to get somebody to take the sacrifices in for you. What pre- so what, what prevented uh, this, this uh, Ethiopian uh, from moving past the Gentile courts? I, that, that he was a Gentile? Anybody? I, I mean, it was, it was his it, identity. It, it was... It was yeah, it was it was his identity. It was his Ethiopianness, right? It was his Gentileness. It was who he actually was that he could do nothing about. He couldn't do a single thing about this. Uh, it was who he was. It was how he was born, um, and that is and actually what had been done to him. I mean, well, we're going to get there. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to get there. And and that's that's the first part of what's preventing him. Right. He goes up to Jerusalem and his his whole entire uh, situation there, his whole entire time there. Uh, he's being prevented from actually receiving the fullness of what is offered at the temple. The faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, Erica, you were alluding to um, you were alluding to his uniqueness. Right, his uni- his uniqueness, not uniqueness, <laughs> not uniqueness, <laughs> but good. but his well, his uniqueness of his uniqueness, right? Yeah. Um, and so I guess we should probably actually just uh, bite the bullet and speak about what Let's a do it. what a eunuch is. Do sure. we have do we have a, an official Webster's it. dictionary? Well, how about Wikipedia? I mean, That's... everybody knows Wikipedia is hundred percent on. Do you want? I mean, do you want me to do? Hang on, let me edit an article real quick, just on an unrelated note before you read this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, a eunuch is a man who has been castrated. Throughout history, castration often served a specific social function. The earliest records for intentional castration to produce eunuchs are from Sumerian city of Lagash in the 21st century BC. All right. So there we go. We've got uh, this. It's this been around in- a while. Yes, right. So we've got this individual who has been castrated, right? Um, and you could you could uh, argue why he was castrated. Perhaps he was a slave. Perhaps he wasn't a slave. Uh, perhaps it was just the way in which his family was going to uh, assure him of climbing up the ranks in regards to uh, the, the, the finances and the treasures of, of Queen Candace. Because you do see the fact that he's in charge of all the queen of Ethiopians, Ethiopia's treasure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think historically speaking, uh, eunuchs were kind of seen as, um, uh, they, they, they weren't seen as, as uh, what am I trying to say here? Um, 
Sorry, the eunuchs weren't actually seen as threats, right? Um, and thus, thus the reason for the castration, though. Exactly. I mean, like, and and it was an extremely patriarchal society, so like, um, it was a big deal who inherited, you know, who inherited the important stuff, and so we had to be sure that the sons who inherited were indeed the sons, and so one way to have slaves or workers around that were safe around women were to remove the drive to be with women. Exactly. Right. Right. And so whether whether or not he did this to himself, which was has been known to happen, right, or whether this was done to him, which is probably more likely the case, probably at a, a young, early age, uh, maybe even before he, he could ever uh, even remember it or recall it, um, he has, this is part of his identity too, as you had said, Pastor Goodman, this is his identity, right? Just as much as the Ethiopianness and the eunuch, uh, sorry, the Gentileness is uh, his identity, so is this eunuchness, right? This is who he is. So his identity is all the way around not belonging. Right. And, and the thing about, uh, the thing about eunuchs is, is they're even worse off, I think, just as bad or worse off than Gentiles. When we're taking a look at the Old Testament and when we're taking a look at uh, the temple worship sort of stuff. Because uh, there's places in in, uh, Leviticus, I believe, or it's either Leviticus or Deuteronomy, where it speaks about the fact that that, um, eunuchs are actually cut off from the congregation. They, They should be cut off from the congregation, a eunuch. And, and this, this could be a purposeful eunuch or even an accidental eunuch, right? This, this just speaks to, this speaks to the, the cleanness uh, of this individual. So we've got not only uh, an Ethiopian who's a Gentile who has gone all the way up to Jerusalem to worship. Um, and uh, just from his Gentileness, he's relegated to those outer courts and he doesn't get to go into the VIP section. Um, but I venture to say, because of his eunuchness, uh, he might even be prevented from setting foot in the temple altogether. Mm-hmm. Right? He's he's cut off from the congregation. He's he's got a double whammy against him. So, can I ask a just kind of a clarifying question here um, about, I guess, I guess the sociology of the time? Um, we're talking about the Jews not allowing him to set foot in, right? But for the reason, because of his. Of cu- because of being castrated specifically, right? Correct. Um, so it did that. Would that have anything to do with if you say you were a Jew and you for some reason had been castrated? Like, wasn't the promise the really big deal because the Messiah was come? I mean, wasn't that part of the big deal? Is I mean, I know women on the one hand studying women in the Bible that um, barrenness was such a terror. It was like a double whammy. One because you just couldn't have children, and then two because you you didn't have the possibility of having the messiah come from your your line right i mean would that be similar for men or am i just kind of extrapolating nonsense here i think that might be a little bit there but i think also we've we've got to understand like the levitical codes of of what is clean and what is unclean mm-hmm. and the fact yeah, that you made us do that before yeah i remember that. and, yeah, you made and, us do and that in an earlier episode the fact that the eunuchs are unclean uh, it, it speaks uh, about the fact that in their essence, uh, they, are, uh, they are not what uh, God had intended in its perfection, right? So God intended uh, uh, male and female to be able to reproduce. The fact that the, a eunuch doesn't makes him, makes him intrinsically unclean. In, in the same way Does that— Does it mean uh, like useless? 
Like, I mean, would they, would they, I mean, because like, think about that. What if you had been, I mean, like somebody castrated, I mean, I'm sure it was against the will, uh, <clears throat> lots right. of times, but like how through any fault of your own are you now, I mean, like you're essentially left out, you're well, unclean because no. of what somebody did to you. It's and crazy. This, and this is, I think this is the, the whole essence of everything, right? And this is how yeah. we can actually place place ourselves in uh, the Ethiopian eunuch's shoes here because the Ethiopian eunuch went up to Jerusalem, right? And I think he had the expectation to be able to worship. And once he got there, uh, I, I, I may be reading a little bit into this, but I think it's it's fair to say because of his Gentileness and his eunuchness, because of his identity, because of who he was, he was prevented from engaging fully in the worship of the temple. It was it was taken away from him, right? And the and, and it was and what did that? It was actually the Levitical codes and the Levitical law. The law actually uh, got to a point. And think about this: this is a this seems to be a pious individual who's ready. He knows that you have to go to Jerusalem. He's not going to try and worship down in Ethiopia. Uh, mm-hmm. He has the desire to worship Yahweh appropriately. He's going to travel all the way up to Jerusalem. He's going to do everything that he should do and he's going to do it well and he's still prevented because of his identity because of who he is that's the that's the utter crushing of the law mm-hmm. that you have of this guy that uh and and i think this is the state that he is when he's coming back right his identity has prevented him his very his very uniqueness, his very selfness, who he is, is actually preventing him from receiving fully uh, the gifts and the promises. Well, I could, I would say our old Adam would identify with that, right? Say. Our our sin, yeah, our sinful flesh, our that person we're supposed to drown in baptism all the time, which is probably why the eunuch was really latching on to that one. And more, I, I think that um, there. I think that this is this is a, a theme that carries forward in the church today, that, that we have people who would very much like to be more religious, but they feel simply that they do not fit inside of a church, that they feel like they're going to catch on fire as soon as they walk through the doors, that all the heads will turn and look right at them and recognize that they don't belong here because they are not, for example, um, old and German uh, in our churches, or that they feel like they won't be welcomed because they look different in uh, all of it. So, so some of the things that the church has struggled with inside of this has been, how do we make people feel welcome and in a lot of ways we have failed not simply because we have you know failed to be nice to people but because we have enacted an atmosphere mm-hmm. that seems like it is built solely upon the law where you have to of your own identity be a certain degree of clean before you can ever stand here mm-hmm. can i give an example of that can i give an example of me thinking about this because i didn't really think about this um you know until later on in life but um i know some churches and forgive me if you belong to a church that does this but um some churches uh, make a big deal about life sunday right and we have um sometimes we put the crosses out like all in the in the yard for all the babies who have who have um been murdered from abortion right which is a horrible horrible thing but then we may with the single mom who has made a young teenage mother who becomes pregnant who comes in, but we make her really unwelcome in church, right? We make her feel really uncomfortable that she would be there and would be unmarried and that sort of thing, right? Um, And that's kind of that, 
oh, you know, we want sinners to come here, but when you actually what, what we kind of, of are, are giving yeah. you the message, yeah, just there's certain kinds that we maybe just kind of don't really right, right. Want I I I think the eunuch is is living a life that uh, he's always waiting. Uh, even, even especially when when the good stuff comes up and the gospel is shown, um, he's always expecting uh, the answer to be, "Yeah, isn't that wonderful?" But, but it's not for you. Those two words matter um, so much, don't they? Right, and it not it's not for you. Yeah, I think that's what he's expecting, uh, which mm-hmm. which is why he asked the question in such a way. And I think that's why we can all put ourselves in the Ethiopian eunuch's shoes, um, because. In and of ourselves, uh, the law is going to uh, going to make us as as damned as it did the eunuch, um, and and for some of us, it's gonna it's gonna be the past uh, ugly sins that we can't even get our uh, get over, that maybe some other people know, maybe some other people don't know about. Um, for some of us, it's it's just going to be the the reality of the situation, like you're saying, uh, Erica, the the old Adam within us. That mm-hmm. is not worthy, right? There's nothing good enough in and of myself that's worthy to receive uh, anything from my Lord, right? Uh, and the law makes that perfectly clear. The law shows that uh, that ugliness, that uncleanness, that, uh, for lack of a better term, shows that eunuchness of my own or shows that eunice, my, my Eli-ness, right? That in and of myself, uh, I am not worthy. And in and of myself, uh, I am. I, I should be prevented uh, from the good things and the holy things and the perfect things of God. So then we've got. Uh, then we've got. Can I Philip. point out a fun fact before you go on to Philip? Fun mm-hmm. fact here. I mean, this is obvious. I'm pointing out the nose on the face, but like, I'm the eunuch. Gonna, even if he's baptized, does not fix the eunuchness, does it? In this life, not in this life, right? Like that's an, I mean, not well, in, I mean, not in this not, life. well, it doesn't. I mean, so like, but it means he's known by something else, though, and this is actually it. Instead of the Ethiopian right. eunuch, but that, maybe we ought I'm... to to just call him the Ethiopian Christian, the the Ethiopian baptized. The, um, we, the we actually start guy. to find an identity right. for right. him that is no longer rooted simply in that which makes but, him not belong. Mm-hmm. And and maybe mm-hmm. maybe not even. Ethiopian baptized. How about Rick? Rick the, Rick baptized. the baptized. Yeah, I'm sure that was his name, right? Because <laughs> Rick, Rick, Rick is a. Yeah, I the think saint. that's his name. Yeah, right. The blessed. Oh, saint. there are a lot of Rick. there are a saint lot of Rick. Ricks coming out of Ethiopia. Saint I think you're Rick. Right. Yeah, I think you've got right. that on the, the nose. baptized. But, but nonetheless, like you said, the, baptism is this identity apart from uh, apart from the law, and it's a bapt- It's an identity apart from uh, the sin and the uncleanness of myself. And so I've, I've got to believe that you've got this eunuch uh, who's hearing from Philip the good news, beginning with Isaiah chapter 53, uh, that, uh, you know, the suffering servant. We've got this lamb who's going to the slaughter uh, for the sake of the whole world, that his blood's going to be poured out for every single Ethiopian eunuch uh, on this planet, right? Uh, which is all of us. Um, and he's hearing all this. And then Paul, all, uh, sorry, uh, Philip also talks about baptism. And I can just hear uh, that, again, I can hear the question being phrased or just the, the intonations in the, in the way that the Ethiopian is asking this, right? See, here's, see, here's ba- uh, water. What, what prevents me from being baptized? Philip, what, what, what's it going to be? Because I went all the way to Jerusalem. 
Um, and I wasn't able to do everything there. I was prevented because of my, uh, because of who I was. What's preventing me from being baptized? I, I, I got to believe that he's just expecting Philip to say, oh yeah, it's because you're a eunuch. It's because of who you are. That's what's preventing you from receiving Jesus. Duh. Why would you think any differently? But instead, Pastor Goodman, what, what good news gospel message does he actually get from Philip? It's not even a word. It, it's an action. He just goes and baptizes him. Exactly. Like there, there, there's no, exactly. there's no hinge. There, there's no if. There, there's no now that you, if you just pledge yourself here. He just, he dunks him. No daily no, carrot. He just dunks him yeah. and says, yeah. in the name of the Father and of the Son mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we, we assume because this is the baptismal formula given to us by the church. Uh, but then he's in. This, this is it. Yeah, it's. What, what beforehand, what prevented you? It was your uniqueness, your Gentileness, your everythingness. It was your uniqueness. Like he doesn't even right? say nothing prohibits you from baptism. He just goes and but, does it. But I think that's it. But you're right. But I think unbelief? that's it. That's the answer. Well, no, what prevents you from the baptism? The baptism is actually the thing that's conquering the unbelief here. This is what makes it so precious. He, he still thinks he doesn't belong. What hinders baptism? Tell me why I can't have this. And he just, he, he drowns old Adam right there. Yeah. He says, no, there's, you're right. I don't, at least the text doesn't say that he says nothing. Uh, but in his actions, he's saying nothing. He's saying it, your uniqueness is not keeping you. Nothing's keeping you, right? You get Jesus. You get all of Jesus. That He is for you. There's not a single thing. What, what you think is going to prevent you from receiving Jesus, that's the very thing that uh, makes it so that you must have Jesus. You don't have to stand outside the temple anymore. Yeah, you don't have to peer in through the, the velvet ropes mm-hmm. at the VIPs, right? Mm-hmm. Come mm-hmm. come, be buried and drowned in this water, right? That's the for you. This is actually where the church stands uh, today for all of the people who still feel like they don't belong because of something wrong with them. That, that we, we can actually say, no, you fit here because you are baptized. You are not known by what's wrong with you. You are not known by what you've done wrong. You are not known by what has been done to you. You are known by this. You are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are a part of God's family. You are a part of the body of Christ. This is a safe place for you. And so we can even then talk then about some of the most difficult of sins because these are no longer the sins that would disqualify you from the house of God, but simply those which God would literally bleed to make sure that that, that you would be included even in the face of them. So for Life Sunday, uh, we, we can say boldly from the pulpit, not only is, is abortion a, a, an awful tragedy that happens because life is lost, but your abortion is forgiven you. And quite frankly, that needs to be preached from our pulpits more uh, because Life Sunday is not for the innocent. Life Sunday is for the sinners redeemed by Christ, united to him by his promise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And... And just to wrap up here, I, I, I've got to believe, I hope that uh, Philip did, um, because he began with Isaiah 53, and I hope that he just, uh, you know, flipped a couple pages as well and went to, uh, kept reading to uh, Isaiah 56, because in Isaiah 56, um, we've got uh, Isaiah 56, verse 3, uh, he says, Uh, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. 
For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps his Sabbath and does not profane it and hold fast to my covenant, I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. And today we learned that that name is Rick. Rick. Exactly. But I mean, I, 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 pray, I pray that Philip actually did say, look, even... Even Isaiah speaks about this. And he's talking about you, Ethiopian eunuch. Rick. Because he's talking about you as a foreigner and you as a eunuch. And there will be a day, Isaiah is prophesying, in which all of that foreignerness and eunuchness is no more. And you know what? Today's the day, Rick. Get down from that chariot. Let's go into the water and be baptized. Rick. I think it's beautiful. This is my favorite. This is my favorite uh, chapter or portion of a chapter in all of the book of Acts. I love it. Because we've got a, uh, I think we have a terrified sinner who's been told his whole life uh, that the gospel isn't for him uh, being finally told, no, 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 it's for you. It's absolutely for you. Those words make everything for you. The gospel that's for other people doesn't save, but the gospel that's for you. That's comfort. That's comfort. That's all I got. We out.